I'm so glad that you have tuned in or are watching today. and We're going to be talking today a little bit about time. Wesley's going to get this uh, outline in order. We're going to find the right place. Okay, how's that? Hope you can read it. We're having to learn how to adjust that so that it's large enough for you to see the outline. Many people who like to take notes, and I would encourage you to do that because you learn more uh, and you can retain it better, but uh, we want it to be where you can see it. And I think this is good today. Uh, this morning, I always get up early, well, really every day, but especially early on Sunday. And I was really up early today, not because I wanted to be, but just because I woke up. And normally on Sunday morning, I check my email, which is not something I do every morning, but on Sunday I do because I'm thinking somebody may have dropped me a note, something I need to announce or say or whatever. But um, today I found a poem. Marlon Tidwell, Marlon, thank you, had sent me a poem about our times, and I want to just read this poem now. Marlon didn't know what I was preaching on, but this is this little time, this little poem called Timeless. And people stayed at home and read books and listened and they rested and they did exercises and made art and played and learned new ways of being and stopped and listened more deeply. Someone meditated, someone prayed, someone met their shadow. All people began to think differently and people healed. And in the absence of people who lived in ignorant ways, dangerous, meaningless, and heartless, the earth also began to heal. And when the danger ended and people found themselves, they grieved for the dead and made new choices and dreamed new visions and created new ways of living and completely healed the earth just as they were healed. Wow, that is a, a pretty good little poem about what we're going through, I feel like. They are truly strange times. Now, let me just ask you, how many of you have had a conversation in the past three weeks about time? I would imagine almost everybody has. We're living in a world in which times really seem to have stopped. Each day seems like the last somehow, and it seems like the next. There's really not any difference. Without our regular barrage of activities, the days of the week seem to get lost. Is today Tuesday or is today Sunday? That's not something I'd ask on a normal week. The things that have given our lives that constant rhythm have been altered and time often seems completely off. Now, when I was thinking about time, I, I had to ask myself a question. So what exactly is time? And um, so like I often do, uh, we have the blessing and the curse of internet. You know, you can type in any question. And I just typed in, what is time? And I got a scientific definition. And, and I have to say, this is totally new to me. I had no idea. Time is one of seven fundamental physical quantities. It is something that we can measure according to the international system of units. Now, when I say seven automatically, if you're like me, you think, ooh, what are the other six? So I'm going to tell you. Length, length is measured by meters or uh, yards and feet. 
Mass, uh, is, that is how much something weighs, measured by kilograms or pounds. We measure electric current by am, uh, amps. I have no real idea what that is, but I know that's what you call it. We measure temperature, right? We measure the quantity of matter. Now, this one I'm totally lost on. It's called mole, M-O-L-E. Anybody idea what that is? And then there is, uh, we measure the intensity of light uh, by candela, and we measure time by seconds and days and years. So time is the indefinite continuing process of existence, and it includes events in the past and today in the present, and time also includes what is coming in the future. But time also has a spiritual quality. God is what? Eternal. He is eternal, which might be thought of as existence without time, because in eternal there is no beginning and there is no end. In a sense, eternal is that which cannot be measured. But when God created the universe, God created time. He created light, and what did it do? It separated the day from the night so that each day had a beginning and each day had an ending. He created the seasons, giving earth a time for rebirth and productivity and harvest and rest. And man was created to live in the context of the days and of the week and the seasons of the year, which gave his life order instead of chaos. Although God is eternal, God works in the context of time. There was a plan, and at the right time, we actually heard that scripture in the Sunday school lesson. I didn't know that was coming, but at the right time, God sent his son to live and die for us. And at the specified time, the father only knows, Jesus said, he will send his son back to judge the earth and to take us home to be with him. Probably the most well-known scripture related to time is the passage that Wesley just read a while ago from Ecclesiastes 3. We generally know these eight verses, these first eight verses of that chapter, and that's probably the only thing you really ever hear from Ecclesiastes. And I have to make a confession today. I'm not sure that I have ever preached from Ecclesiastes. So I had to do some studying myself. But today, we want to look primarily not at these eight verses that Wesley uh, read as an introduction to our worship service, but we want to look at the last verses of this chapter. But let me start by just telling you a little bit about the book of Ecclesiastes. The, the author calls himself Coelet, and that word means either teacher or preacher. Uh, the word Ecclesiastes comes from the Greek word for preacher, so Ecclesiastes is really a sermon. It's Coelet, as he identifies himself, the son of David, who was at that time king of Jerusalem. Um, we believe, most scholars believe, that this is a reference to Solomon, although he doesn't really give us his name. And Ecclesiastes is written with a, a really secular viewpoint, maybe the most secular book in the Bible. Solomon seems to have been writing to specifically address uh, secular persons, people who are not believers and don't have a background and understanding of God. 
So uh, we, might, we might call Ecclesiastes uh, an apologetic for living according to God's standard. Remember that Solomon, in his life, he was not always faithful to God. He strayed from the true faith, and he worshipped other gods. So after going through his life, and Ecclesiastes, we believe, was written at the end of his life, and, and he's looking back, and he's observing what he has seen. And from these ob uh, observations, he writes this book. And he tells us why. In the very last verse, in chapter 12, verse 13, he says, so that's the whole story. So he said, I've looked back and I've looked back at all I've seen and all I've experienced. He said, that's the whole story. I've told it to you. Here now is my final conclusion. So he says, this is what I think life is all about. Fear God and obey his commands, for this is everyone's duty. God will judge us for everything we do, including every secret thing, whether good or bad. So Wesley read these first eight verses, a time for this, a time for that. Uh, we generally hear these verses at a funeral, right? That's the main place we hear those eight verses, as though there were an appropriate time to die. I'm not exactly sure why we always read those at funerals, but... Solomon is not really saying that there is appropriate time for this or that in those eight verses. He is instead presenting the things that fill our lives. Birth and death, planting and harvesting, killing and healing, tearing down and building up, and etc. Life is an endless cycle that just repeats itself over and over. So now I want us to read verses 9 through 17. If you have your Bibles, I hope you'll be following along. Solomon says, what do people really get for all their hard work? I've seen the burden God has placed on us all, yet God has made everything beautiful for its own time. He has planted eternity in the human heart, but even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. So I concluded there is nothing better than to be happy and enjoy ourselves as long as we can. And people should eat and drink and enjoy the fruits of their labor, for these are gifts from God. And I know that whatever God does is final. Nothing can be added to it or taken from it. God's purpose is that people should fear him. What is happening now has happened before and what will happen in the future has happened before because God makes the same things happen over and over again I also noticed that under the sun there is evil in the courtroom yes even the courts of law are corrupt I said to myself in due season God will judge everyone both good and bad for all their deeds I'm not going to try to give you from this text an, an organized outline, structure, because I don't really find that in this text. But Solomon gives us some really wise advice, points to ponder about life. And they are especially good points for us to think about in the present situation in which we find ourselves. So in verse 9, he sort of begins these thoughts with a question. He says, what do people really get for all their hard work? 
So this question kind of sets the stage for the words of wisdom that Pop, uh, Saul, I started to say uh, Saul, I mean Solomon, wants to give us. He says, what do people really get for all their hard work? We might say, well, what's the point of all the stuff that we do from day to day? I think when we go through really strange times like this um, pandemic, that we often ask questions like these. What is the point after all? Why do we, how do we get out of this? What's going to happen in my life? Where will this lead? And I can imagine that there is one of you who has not faced those questions in the last few weeks. Here are some of the observations that Solomon made uh, from his own life's perspective. And, and they are good observations for us as we face a very difficult time. First of all, he says, the repetition of life is God's doing. It is something that he has done. Solomon has just done the whole born and die, plant and harvest, kill and heal, tear down and build up thing. The idea that in life things are constantly repeating themselves is a part of God's plan for us. You know, in our culture, we value the new and the adventurous, the thing that just gets us out of the rut, right? I get that. I don't really like doing the same thing over and over, do I? But really that desire to get out of the regular cycle can also be a source of discontentment with the daily tasks that we must carry out. And in our relationships, the unknown can be so tempting that it destroys that very relationship that gives our life meaning. It is interesting that we have only been out of the normal cycle of things for three weeks and everyone is screaming, I've got to get back to normal. We've just got to get things back to normal. I want to get up and go to work and do the things that I have always done. Three weeks ago, we were sighing and grumbling about having to do it another time. Same old thing. Why is that? Because that routine is a part of God's plan. God has laid that burden on man, Solomon says. It is normal to need routine. I, for one, can hardly wait to get back to business as normal. Solomon says, yet God has made everything beautiful for its own time. That mundane routine looks pretty good from the perspective of shelter in place. And I hope that soon we're back to that. But every time and every experience in our lives can be something that God uses, and we want to remember that. Secondly, Solomon says, God has planted the idea of eternity in man's hearts. And this is my favorite part of this, this passage. He says, he has planted eternity in the human heart, but even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. So, have you ever thought about this? Everyone dies, right? How many of you know some contemporary of Adam and Eve? None, because people die. The death rate from the coronavirus worldwide is about 0.07%, which is enormous. 
but the general worldwide death rate of mankind is 100%. So why is it that mankind everywhere, all cultures, all peoples, have a desire uh, for eternal life and a belief in eternal life of some kind? What they may believe may be radically different from the Christian understanding of life after death, but every human culture has and has had an explanation of how they live after this life. It is in their hearts the idea of eternity. Why? Because God has planted in man the idea of eternity. God has made us so that we know in our hearts that this life, these years we have on this earth, do not end with physical death. Let me just remind you, we were created for eternal an eternal relationship with God. We were a part of his glory. Death was not the original plan. Death entered why? Because of man's sinful rebellion against God. Jesus defeated death when he came out of the tomb. That also means he defeated sin. We will be saved from death when we put our faith in Christ and his work of salvation. One day, all of those who belong to Christ will rise from the dead, and that is physical resurrection. So why is this so important to us? Because without the hope of life after death, then we also have no hope in this life. This mundane cycle of life would be unbearable if we did not have the hope of a future life in Christ. The loss of loved ones would be unspeakable if we did not know that we see them again in eternity. This life would be pointless, actually, if this is all there is, if there were nothing beyond the grave. So let me just ask you, last Sunday was Easter, right? Actually, it's as though we never had Easter. So weird, weird. But just to remind you, Last Sunday was Easter. And what is the Christian call on Easter? The Lord is risen. He is risen indeed. So, why isn't our call something else? Why isn't it, God is good. He is really good. Or, God gives meaning. He gives us real meaning. Or, God loves me. He really loves me. But if death still reigns, what is the point? Who cares how good God is if all I get is 90 years? Who cares how loving he is when I'm standing at the grave? What meaning can life have if it ends without eternal life? But it doesn't because Jesus lives and we too shall live. The hope of eternity that lives in your heart is not an ideal hope. It is not just a thought. It is reality if you belong to Christ. It was put in your heart by God himself. But Solomon does remind us of something, and we need to remember this, especially today. He says, but even so, Okay, he says, God has put in your heart the idea of eternity. You know that there is something beyond this. But, he says, even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to 
end. What does that mean? Well, we need to remember that we never see the whole picture. We just get this little piece of the puzzle that I'm living in right now. One of the things that I've done in the past three weeks, something I never do, ever, is I put a jigsaw puzzle together. thousand pieces. And we've had that puzzle probably for ten years. But, you know, who has time to do a jigsaw puzzle? And one thing that you notice, when you start, it is very difficult because you, you don't have the picture. You know, you're, you're struggling, you're just looking, and nothing fits together. And, but little by little, the picture began, begins to, to take shape and, and to make sense. You know, we don't see the whole picture in this life. I finished a thousand pieces, and guess what? A piece was missing. Ugh, I threw the puzzle away. But, you know what? That's kind of like life. There, there are missing pieces. There are things we do not understand. But in eternity... We're going to see the whole picture. God promises us. We will understand how all the pieces fit together. But that is not given to us now. So when you struggle with trying to understand why we're going through what we're going through as a, as a world family, well, you may not ever know why. But you will know ultimately in eternity. And then God made us to enjoy the creation. Solomon says, So I concluded there is nothing better than to be happy and enjoy ourselves as long as we can. And people should eat and drink and enjoy the fruits of their labor, for these are gifts from God. You know, this is a good bit of life's advice. Solomon seems a little fatalistic here, you know, like, oh well, just, you know, what difference? Just eat, drink, and be merry. But, you know, I think that he's reminding us that God has created all that he's created for our enjoyment. Um, we are to care for the creation, of course, but it is to be a source of enjoyment for us. I think that that is important that we're able, uh, in order that we can be content in our lives, to be happy with the blessings that God has given us. We're in a weird time now. Well, we're here and we can't change it now. Just try to enjoy the things that God has given to you. Don't be discontent. And then fourth, he says, much of life consists of things that I just can't change. To answer, uh, the answer to that is to trust God when I can't change it anyway. He says in verse 14, and I know that whatever God does is final. Nothing can be added to it and nothing taken away from it. What God does, that's it. God's purpose is that people should fear him. Now, this is very, very important. First of all, in the Old Testament, the Old Testament thought every event was attributed to God, to his action. Solomon echoes this. He says, it is what it is. God has ordained it, and you can't change it. I do think that it's a good thing to recognize that there are some things that we just can't change. And when that is the case, I just have one option, and that is to trust God to work with me through those things that I can't change. 
That might be something about myself. That might be the, the situation in which I live. And um, I don't have to change everything because I can trust God to make sense out of the things that I can't make sense out of. But, but the point is, Solomon says, God's purpose is that in that situation, whatever that might be, that we learn to fear him, to live in awe of what God does. And I think that's important for us in a situation like this pandemic to, to understand that God is working in ways that we perhaps will never see and never understand. And I can't change what has happened. I hate it that we're not together as a church today like we always have been, and I can't wait till we're together again. But you know what? Uh, God is in control, and I want to trust God to bless his church through this, to do in your life what God wants to do, uh, and, and you need to live, live in a certain awe that God is actually working in your life in spite of all this. And then Solomon reminds us that there is nothing new under the, the sun. Now, I read the poem from Marlin a few minutes ago um, about our time. Guess when that poem was written? 1869, after a pandemic. <laughs> It was uh, sort of uh, brought back to life in, in 1919 during that pandemic, and guess what? It's back with us today. Sounds like it was written by somebody yesterday, doesn't it? Well, listen to what Solomon says in verse 15. What is happening now has happened before, and what will happen in the future? Well, it's happened before too, because God makes the same things happen over and over again. You know, this is a new experience for me. It is weird, and I don't like it. I wish that we could just get back to our routine. But there have been horrible pandemics before. I know that uh, Dr. Fauci, who leads the task force for the president, he said this virus may be different and much stronger than others, but it isn't the first pandemic. There will be an end to it, and there will definitely be a tomorrow. I guess that's good to know. For the thousands who have lost loved ones, however, that is little comfort. But it is a window of hope. God will see us through this thing, and others have gone through similar situations before. And one final thing Solomon tells us. He says, what you do in this time matters. It matters how you live right now in this extreme situation. He says in verse 16 and 17, I also noticed that under the sun there is evil in the courtroom. Yes, even the courts of law are corrupt. And I said to myself, in due season, God will judge everyone, both good and bad. For all their deeds. No matter what we're going through, it matters how you live. What you do makes a difference. Of course, we are surrounded by those whose lie, who those who live as, as though it doesn't matter. 
they think that can get away with corruption or with lying and cheating or hate and destruction or, or whatever. No, it's not right. God sees it all. And Solomon says there will be a day of reckoning. There will be a judge. And our deeds will be judged, good or bad. I like that idea. When I have a good day and I feel like I've done pretty much the right thing. And I hate that idea when I get to the end of my day and I regret something I've done or something I've said. What this reality should do for us, however, is to make us praise God for the salvation that we have in Christ. Our works will be judged and found to be eternal or not. But our salvation, our future in eternity, it lies in Christ's work on the cross. It lies in the reality of an empty tomb. In him, our lives are secure. And your life is secure in him right now. I'd like to uh, ask you to join me in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for what you do. We thank you, Lord, for the amazing way that you work in our lives and in the lives of those around us. Lord, we hurt for those who are hurting because of the situation that we're going through, whether that be hurting because of the loss of loved ones or illness or hurting because of financial stress brought on by the pandemic. Lord, we, we can't control all of that. But Lord, I pray that you would help us to do what we can do to help others. And Lord, I pray that you would remind us that in all of this, you are in control. It is your world, and you haven't uh, resigned yourself, and you haven't uh, stepped down from the throne. And we praise you for that. Lord, just let us be faithful. Let us be faithful each day as we live for you. And Father, we rejoice already in the time that is coming when we can meet together again. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You're listening to Cleveland First Baptist Church's weekly sermon audio from lead pastor Rick Dill. For more information, please visit clevelandfirstbaptistchurch.com.